Oh, hey, we're on. Um, wow, that's fast. I know. You never know what's going to happen right here. Welcome to the Big Story Podcast. I'm Alex Morrissey, and today we have a fantastic guest, longtime friend, ally, and fighter of good fights, Chris Sotomayor. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know where that came from, but I'm just going to go with it. Okay, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, you, you've got you've got the you got the rough knuckles to prove it, buddy. So. <laughs> Thanks. Um, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. All things considered, you know, yeah, in, totally. in these in these uh, stressful times. Yeah. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I I often get like distracted and fascinated by like what's like in the background of you know certain you know guests you know <laughs> and, like so like I start kind of like my my mind will kind of drift into these kind of areas like what's that. That looks pretty cool. First off, I'm just going to call out the Captain America shield. Right, right. Uh, well, you kind of have to have that, right? Don't they kick you out of comics? I think so. And like, I got to tell you, like, because they had one in the Marvel offices like, you know, forever. You know, there was right. always like in somewhere in the hallway. I can't remember where it was, but there was Captain America shield. Yeah. And, you know, there was no world of comic book props. There was nothing. I mean, there was no public mar marketing towards comic books in any way, shape, or form. And I think I think I was fixated forever and probably from being a kid. But, like, the one prop, if I could have, like, any superhero prop, I think it was, it was always Captain America's shield. Like, I think that yeah. was, like, one, like, if I could have something on, like, the wall or... I don't know. Carry, yeah. Then he always wear. He, I remember when John Byrne did. Like he had him wearing the shield on on his back underneath his shirt, like a jacket, or you know. And I'm like, yeah. that dude's like to me. That shield would be like a plate, you know, because right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Steve Rogers. But um, yeah. yeah. So, but it is the. I think it is the coolest thing. Like it is just. Listen, I remember when I was a kid, you know, trying to make the shield out of cardboard <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it always came out horrible because I had, you know, square pieces of cardboard, rectangular pieces right. and trying now, to get a circle out of it was complex, always complex curves. These are very, yeah. yeah. You're And you weren't even in, you weren't even in like geometry class yet. No. So how the hell are you going to figure No, out? this is like kindergarten, first grade. Right. I'm there with my scissors trying to cut it out, you know, can't get a real circle. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago when my kids were, uh, you know, of Halloween age, um, my son went as Captain America, like right after the first movie came out. Right. So I just I kept the shield and I'm like, yeah, all right. Got my shield. You know what this costume really needs is an authentic <laughs> uh, replica of the shield. Right. The best move. What do you think, honey? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to get it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like in your back of your mind, like. He's gonna grow out of it like in 20 minutes. Like he probably won't even want to be Captain America the day of Halloween. This he didn't like, even want to carry it. No, of course. He's like, Can you carry this? Because I can't eat candy and carry the bag at yeah. the same time. And I said, Yes, absolutely. Of I will carry well, okay. I, if, if you okay, sure, thank you. <laughs> Daddy's just gonna put it on the on the wall in his office. That's yeah, it, it's just one of those things, you know. You played a long game. Do you think, yeah, I mean, but what, what if, what if he comes back one day and is like, Hey, I want the shield. Do you got to fight him for it? Or is like, what is it like? Is there some sort of ritual now? There's, there's gotta be a ceremony. I think. I think so. Some, yeah, yeah there's gotta be. Yeah. yeah. And you need a British, like an attractive British female spy. Right. Present for that. I think that's now been factored into the lore of Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, okay. So, so obviously you and I, uh, shared the same, uh, dysfunctional affliction of, uh, early childhood comic booking love. So, um, you know, making props, dude, I think I made tons of superhero props as a kid. Like I got into SVA making a prop. Like that was, that was my, that was a key point of my portfolio Wow. was, um, what was it, Robotech? Like the third Robotech where they had like the motorcycles. Do you remember though? That? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. I, 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 it's, it's like vague memories. I mean, I love Robotech immensely at the time, but they had these really cool blasters. They were kind of like this sort of polyhedron kind of shaped thing. They weren't like, they weren't symmetrical. They were asymmetrical kind of things. You held it and like it kind of wrapped around your hand. And I loved it. So I made a prop out of it. So I drew out all like I drew the plans out. I drew made all the pieces out of paper and then I cut them out of cardboard and build the physical prop. And that was like my portfolio piece to get into SVA. So like I was always making props as a kid. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, like so what was your like how did you like like for me? I think it was dad came home from work one day with like one of those uh poly bag three pack comics like which had like baby snooks which is like a little little tiny elephant and uh something like something <clears throat> the night which was a terrifying murder comic like by marvel and then like something like probably like an atlas comics like superhero ish kind of comic and that was sort of it like i like that was my hook into comic books as a kid. Um, mine was uh, <clears throat> mine was the the sixties Batman TV show, show mm -hmm. right? By way of uh, reruns of Japanese anime um, on Spanish television. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I grew up with my mom and my grandmother in a. I guess now is like. Well, on 33rd in Manhattan, right? East side. 33rd and Doid? <laughs> exactly. Nice. Right across the street from a school. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I remember watching old black and white, like Mazinger Z. On oh, yeah, sure. Spanish language channels. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I was I would watch that. And then I graduated to the Adam West Batman show. Mm -hmm. And then when my mom. That's channel met, 11, right? Uh, yeah. I yeah. think at the time, yeah. I think 4.30. 11 Alive, yeah. Yeah. Picks, picks, picks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and then when my mom met my dad <clears throat> um, and they, uh, you know, they started dating, um, my dad would buy me comics all the time. Nice. Uh, first one I remember was Marvel 2-in-1 number 69, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy on the cover, like the original Guardians. Mm -hmm. um, and that things scared the hell out of me all those crazy funky designs okay like yondu with the fin yeah and van uh fantastro with the half black half white body and yep. and martin x and charlie 27 all that stuff just was like wow completely yeah. blew me away <clears throat> um and then from there just kind of tumbled into spider-man captain america and the hulk and x-men and all that stuff it just that one book just kind of blew the doors open for me what like so here this is interesting makes me think about like you know like i read comics as a kid but i grew up in like you know 
the woods of New England. So I didn't really have like a city sort of experience. Um, but like you grew up in the city. So yeah. like, what was reading a comic book, you know, that sensibly took place in your neighborhood <laughs> to one degree or <laughs> another? Like, did that like, did you conceptualize that? Did you go like, oh, this is New York City? Of course, this is New York City. Or was it like, whoa, like, are they around? Like, where are they? You know, that kind of thing. Spider-Man was probably the best for that. Yeah. Um, because it was so New York City. And it wasn't a connection that I was made aware of right off the bat. Right. Um, but eventually when I realized, oh shit, that's that building and yeah. that's that building, you know, you start piecing it together and I think uh I, I mean that definitely enhanced my connection to to Marvel Comics and mm -hmm. Spider-Man in general. Um <clears throat> It was it was very surreal, uh, and uh, very welcoming at times. It, there was a little bit of of you know um, comfort in yeah. that in that kind of sense that oh these if these guys were real they'd be watching out for for me and the other people sure. around here. Did you uh, side side thing and whatever <clears throat> spoilers I don't know. Um, did you did you watch Hawkeye or do you have you seen yes. that yet? Yes, so, but that that theme actually is part of that whole that whole series, which yeah. I, is really kind of like very cool that you actually experience that in the real world, um, you know, and this this fake world, you know, they, they use that as as a sort of a, a touch point, which I think is kind of cool. That's yeah, like, oh, wow. I've always I've always drifted towards those more grounded heroes, um, yeah. you know, Moon Knight, Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> spider-man black panther black well yeah black panther absolutely Dude, you know i, I mean i wanted I, to be I, the falcon i could like kind of be those two guys at once it would be yeah awesome. yeah. yeah i mean i've, I've always loved <laughs> it's, it's so odd i've always loved the characters that were just very monochromatic like daredevil moon knight black panther right right <laughs> but then you know you got characters like um and, and silver surfer Mm -hmm. Silver, I, I connected to certain characters and, and yeah, you know, when I was little, I was a Marvel guy. I yeah. probably still am. Um, I connected to certain characters because of certain traits like Spider-Man, you know, full body costume. I always thought he could be anybody. It, yep. That was the, the hook. Right. Yeah. So it was easy for me to identify with that, especially growing up later in my teen years um, and, and, and my adolescence. Uh characters like uh like colossus mm -hmm. you know um outcast x-men strongest guy i love the strong characters because yeah. growing up uh at severe asthma still kind of do and there were a lot of things i wasn't able to do physically okay so i kind of i kind of like those characters that were a little stronger you know colossus captain yeah. marvel those guys i think that's i think you know it, it's interesting because i think that's really what in so many ways that comic books do for for children you know like i think they're they're an opportunity because listen we can watch cartoons and go oh i love these cartoons or whatever like that but you don't you don't really get to spend time with those characters because right. it moves in a linear fashion and it's over and and i mean now the world's a little different now with media but you know when we were kids it was you know you you turn on the super friends and it's over and then that's it like you don't get to watch it again or whatever yeah um, but a comic book, you could sit there and you could reread it. You could look at it. You could really zoom in on these these frames. And I think it's kind of like one of those things where you really like, 
you know, like my parents split up when I was a little man. Like I was like, well, fucking Captain Kirk's the man. Like Captain Kirk is like a really cool dad figure. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe not the best dad. Like, <laughs> you're a little kid. You're like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. The cool dude sitting in the cool chair telling other people what to do. How much cooler is that? You know? Yeah. And like, so you, you kind of like grab onto these kind of people. And so like all these, like, so like that Spider-Man thing, you're like, yeah, I mean, I can be Spider-Man. Like, you know, I could be the guy like swinging around and helping people. Cause that would be really a good thing to do. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's, so I think that's kind of a cool thing. Like you can, you know, with you having asthma and I'm sure like with many other things, you, you know, like having saying like, okay, well, I would love to be the big strong guy, you know. And if I was the big strong guy, what would I be like? Well, I would definitely be like, you know, Peter, because like he's really, really kind and caring. Like yeah. he, he's not, he doesn't abuse his ability as like the strongest person in the world. Um, right. And that's kind, of, you know, and that's kind of cool, you know. And like, you know, and, and I'm sure all the sort of like metaphorical stuff of his being armored and you know, and, you know, having a hard time emotionally connecting to people like is is something that we didn't catch on to but you know as kids but um yeah no it's 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 i don't know they're, they're, they're better than what even back then they were better than what i think the world ex considered them to be like comics. oh absolutely yeah comics uh, shaped a lot of my morality very early yeah. on oh for you sure uh, having asthma being sick all the time you know i missed a lot of school which sucked, um, yep. but I was home alone a lot. Uh, you know, a latchkey kid in the seventies yep. and eighties. Uh, so, you know, if I stayed home from school, it was comics and Prices Right reruns or whatever. You're not starting to say the Prices Right, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, lots of game shows, lots of Yan Can Cook and and Julia yeah. Childs and comics. God, Yan Can Cook. You know that that's yeah. that's what I was watching, and, yeah. and that's what I was reading, and so you, I spent that time reading, you know, Captain America, Silver Surfer, mm -hmm. uh, reading about characters like the White Tiger, and seeing yeah. bits of myself reflected in them, either who I was, who I thought I was, or who I thought I could be. Yep. And it it shaped a lot of me, I think. I know I I I, to I totally agree. Like I you know like you know. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 unfortunately, you know, indoctrinated my my dear wife into into the world of nerdy nerddom. You know, um, and, you know, and it's like, but like, you know, she'll like, oh, Captain America. She'll call me that, like, you know, because it's like, because I'm always like, I'm like, you got to do the right thing. You just got to do the right thing. Like yeah. it was, you know, to the point of like, I mean, I will choose to do the right thing, even if it's the wrong thing for me to do. Like right. in in that sense, so. Um, and that's comics, really. I don't, I don't, you know, because I don't have, I don't really recall having those sit down talks with my parents, you know, saying you got to do the right thing. You know, like yeah. it was, it was just, you know, off you go, kid. Um, so, I mean, so you're making Captain America Shield. So obviously you were, you, you were comfortable with sort of expressing yourself creatively early yeah. on. So that was obviously, and you know we all have pencils and crayons, so we end up drawing a lot, I guess. So is yeah. that was like your your kind of run is like I'm just gonna draw, 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 like as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drew all the time. I drew from comics. I drew, I, I drew mostly from comics, um, you know, and cartoons. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was just always drawing, whether it was on like my walls, <laughs> yeah. or on notebooks, or I, I 
going to school, I used to get in trouble for drawing in the margins of my, my notebooks uh, oh. to the point where like one teacher, Mrs. O'Malley in elementary school, <laughs> um, she came in and she saw me doodling Spider-Man on uh, in the margins of my book. I'd finished my work. I was just sitting yeah. there <laughs> and she grabbed the, the notebook she ripped the page out and she berated me in front of the class and threw the, the drawing out and told yeah. me it wasn't art. And uh, I'm sure she's dead now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that memory will always live on in my head. And uh, it's, it's, it, I mean, it was the product of growing up when we grew up, you yeah. know, I get it. It wasn't seen as art. It wasn't seen as expression. It was seen as a waste of time, Yep. but I, it didn't stop me from drawing it. There's nothing that would have stopped me from drawing or connecting to the material or, you know, fantasizing about those things in, in the ways that helped me later in life. That's, I mean, that's super, I think that's super interesting. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I often think about like the kids you grew up with who make, you know, there's a point when you're considered the arty, the art kid, you know, like at, at some point, but like before that point, you're aware of everybody's ability to draw like the kid who ends up being like the the art kid is very much in tune with what other people i was very aware of other people drawing and i drew all the time and i would absolutely i could cite like three or four kids you know growing up who were clearly way better than me like they right. these kids could just draw like they could they, they had a handle on it it was very much under control but they didn't pursue it yeah. and like there was some sort of there was some sort of point like where, you know, Mrs. Oh, what's her name? Mrs. O'Malley. O'Malley, right. So Mrs. O'Malley grabbed their thing. It did that, and they were like, "Well, screw it. I'm not. Gonna, I guess I'm not going to do this anymore." Or right. like, or a, a a some sort of version of that happens, and yeah. it stops for them. And you know, and then there's you know there's the other side of it where that happens, and you're just like nothing. Oh, I don't care what you say. Like, you know, like I did everything I could to do anything to draw. Like, so like with book reports, I'm like, I'm so uninterested in reading the book. So uninterested in writing the book, writing the report on the book. Whatever. So how many, like how many book reports did I do, which I had drawings in? I'm sure you were the same way. You're like, you know, like how can I pad this score by putting of the characters in this book report? Yeah. And in the, you know, to the, I think to the credit of, at least in my memory of the teachers I had, I don't ever remember any of them going like, nice try, you know, F, you know, like, I think they all gave me passing grades because I put in the effort with something versus right. just, you know, going, it was a book that I didn't understand or whatever, you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, but it's, but it's interesting. I mean, and so like, I mean, you clearly like were like undeterred as a, as a sort of, as a kid to like what you really, really liked doing. Did you get like, where, where do you feel you got the best sort of support in that? Like what gave you the sort of the, the framework to not stop? You know, that came probably mostly later in life, like high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, uh, my mom, yeah, because she, she recognized that I had an interest in art and although she couldn't do much about it, um, let's say financially, mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't a lot of support. 
um, she did whatever she could. You know, if she got her hands on any kind of art supplies, yeah, uh, they they went right in front of me, and she would sit down with me and and draw with me sometimes, oh. um, or show me how to look at things, which was really nice. You know, having that observational skill. That's a very powerful thing. Like, yeah, so underrated. I think so underrated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was it was always like, well, look at the way this this shape looks. Yeah. Or look at this line, follow this line here and see and then try to think of what it looks like when if it turns. And that was a hard concept for me to grasp at like yes. six years old. But right. um, but she tried and she did. She did so much for me yeah. as far as that was concerned. And my dad, too, just kind of spoiling me with with comics and. Yep and toys like superhero toys mego action figures i remember anytime i was sick my dad would come Dude. home with a new mego action figure for me and it was it's freaking awesome you were the best the well, second best i'm still all 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 in a micronauts but um <laughs> micronauts were pretty cool but yeah i mean but no that's i mean the, that's i mean it like I, you know my mom was you know you know single mom man and like growing up man it was like she would you know she worked at the hospital and she would come home with all the notepads that they had there when they were done, she would save those cardboard backings. Yes. Yes. And she would bring rolls of masking tape home, like whatever the, the, the really rudimentary art supplies. We're not yeah. talking colored pencils and, you know, fancy stuff like real things, but it was all those kinds of things that like, I, she would be like, here you go, here you go. Like for birthdays, she would like get like good cardboard, you know, and like, fresh rolls of masking tape and that would be like my gift like for christmas or birthday that would be one of yeah. the gifts there and like i would love it i was thrilled like because i could do something i could make something with this yeah and it, you know and i you know and it's very similar my father was the same way man he like supported the you know the comic book habit you know so it, and that was and the toy habit you know like there was a what was a child world was that the toy yeah, yeah. I remember child world yeah yeah, so there was a child world near where he lived on the weekends, man. We'd go to child world and, you know, get a new Micronaut or whatever the thing was. That would be like a thing. And and comic books, you know, and that would just keep me locked in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff just builds. It, 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 I mean, like, I, I think we, you know, we don't, I don't think we think about it too much. Um how how important that kind of stuff is for us i mean as a parent you probably did have to kind of go like oh wait a minute like this is a teaching moment yeah <laughs> it's all in retrospect you know when, yeah. when you're a parent you start noticing those things that happened mm -hmm. in your life when you were little and you're like hey let me pass this on let me make this memory you know let me try to do something equal to that right so yeah. high school, so high school is a time where you kind of felt like you kind of came in, I guess you sort of, you came into your own as, as you know, the art guy. Um, yeah. Did you, were you like, we've had a few, you know, of, uh, you know, other SVA people who grew up in New York city and a few of them went to like the art, you know, the art school, you know, um, LaGuardia. Yeah. yeah. Did you go, did you go there? No, no. Okay. Uh, I was, I, I grew up in the Bronx, uh, not a whole lot of great support educational wise <laughs> wait that's part of new york <laughs> you know it's uh yeah it was i went into high school and i didn't know about laguardia i didn't even know about laguardia by the time i entered high school and yeah. then 
um, my second year into high school, I found out that I could have tried out for LaGuardia. Oh, wow. Yeah. My guidance counselor was like, you know, did I tell you you could try out for LaGuardia? And I was like, <laughs> no. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, maybe just double up and triple up on art classes while you're here. Ugh. I was like, ah. Oh. So that's that's what I wound up doing. So okay. I missed some really great opportunities in the beginning yeah. because of lack of information and lack of sure. support. Um, so what I made sure I did was I immersed myself uh, in as much of the, of the art culture as I could, as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. um, I would go down to museums whenever I could, you know, jump on the subway. Yeah. Um, I would go hang out around comic shops. I tried to break into Marvel comics offices uh, I hung out with friends who could draw. Uh -huh. um, I did anything I could just to, to suck as much information up as possible. Um, so I supplemented my high school education with that stuff, as well as doing like all the art one, art two yearbook and mm -hmm. all that, all that too. Um, just as much as I could do. Did you go to the, did you go to the, uh, those sort of like, fledgling uh comic conventions that i guess creation they were creation shows right wasn't it creation i remember going to a couple of shows in like the roosevelt yes. hotel yeah in the yeah, basement yeah, yeah the, the roosevelt hotel yeah right next to right next to uh grand central yeah um yeah, yeah. I, I i i used to come in from connecticut where you know where i where i grew up and so i would I would take the train in and go to the Rose to the one at the Roosevelt. Cause I think the parents are like, whatever, it's right next to the, you know, right. You know, the station, like nothing's a terminal. Sorry for all you train aficionados. Um, and, um, you know, and so I, you know, they were like, he, he can't get too lost. So we'll just <laughs> let him go. But um, yeah, the, I mean, but that was like, I think for me, like, I think going to the, I think going to that for, I don't, I, guys, I went to a bunch of conventions as a kid with my dad in Connecticut. Like we would go there, but I don't think they had pros. At least I don't remember pros being there, right. but I remember going to creation and seeing pros for the first time. Like it was, you, you made that sort of connection. Like I think the first one was like an 85, um, maybe 84, 85, whenever Art Adams was, uh, long shot came out. So, right. and he happened to be there. So it was one of those things I'm like, oh, like that's the dude who did the comic book that I can't stop looking at. So, yeah. you know, meanwhile, there's like, you know, all the, all the big hot shot guys of, you know, of, of the yesteryears are there. And I probably never even realized like, Oh, that's Jack Kirby just sitting over there, you know, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It was, um, it was, it was interesting, but that was, those were, that was like the time when I'm like, okay, this is a real thing. Like, this is a thing that it's not just a stapled piece of paper that shows up, you know, every month somewhere and I get to try to buy it or something. So yeah, seven 11. Um, so did like, what was it for you? Like that kind of turned it in your head to say like, uh, this is a thing. Like, is this a, was, did you ever have that moment where you're like, I want to do this and this is a possibility. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much an event like a, like a comic con. Yeah. It was more, um, it was, uh, X-Men 150. <laughs> Wow, you really got the dial down there. Yeah, it uh, it was the first time I'd noticed like credits, comic book credits. Okay, and then I started following certain artists' careers, mm -hmm. um, and started you know hitting later on like back issue bins. Yep, 
you know, as, as comic shops started to, to become prevalent. Uh, and I made that connection, like with that X-Men issue that, hey, these are people and, you know, this is, I guess this is their job. And <clears throat> I had no frame of reference for what anyone could make or anything. I just figured, hey, maybe you get free comics. <laughs> and I like comics. I would love sure. to get free comics. So, yeah. you know, that's the, the connection I made. But okay. uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. what did it. It's, you know, it's interesting. And it's really, it's so it, like um, when you said the the thing about like sort of following artists, it really hit me. Like this thing hit me inside. I'm like, oh my God. Like I remember as a kid, like I think the first comic book artist, I think I was like, I know who this is, was probably John Byrne. You know, it was probably, you know, an X-Men kind of period of going like, oh, that's the dude. Because right. um, didn't he draw the Avengers? And like, you know, like, I mean, like, because it was a, it was a sort of kind of thing where you, but like my big, like my big focus comic once again was the micronauts as a kid like i i mean i love spider-man is my all-time favorite comic book character um right. and but it was like this thing with the the micronauts i loved it and then i remember being like in svas when you really start like kind of are able to start forensically breaking down like comics like and who, who what why and that stuff and i started like looking through my collection i'm like i follow like without really knowing I was following Michael Golden. I was I was buying everything he did, but I didn't think I was looking at it. Go, that's drawn by that dude who did the. You know, like I just I had them. Like I had all those comics. You know, all you know the, the Avengers Annual, the X Men Annual, you know, Marvel Fanfares, all these comics, and I'm going through them in my collection at school. And I'm like, okay, like this is clearly a thing, you know. And like you know, meanwhile, there's giant stacks of kirby and you know kirby comics and burn comics and perez comics but um yeah it was just one of those really weird things so like it's interesting how like your eye will attune to something and kind of dig into it and just keep coming back to it yeah. um, you know I, and, I, and I, there's nothing learned about it like you're not i don't think you're consciously doing it. i think it's just kind of like something speaks to you and you follow in you fall into that um so so high school like so you and you're like oh okay i can do this how did like so how did you go like what did you do with that information thinking like okay this is a thing i might be able to get free comics like as a career <laughs> i i was just trying to figure out exact i was reading a lot of marvel age right even before high school uh -huh. um and trying to figure out trying to get any information i can from those comics right mm -hmm. trying to figure out where marvel was what kind of art they liked, what what uh, what their 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 uh, procedure was for putting together comics, you know that 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 assembly line, um, editors' names, things like that, right? So so from those Marvel Age comics, um, I figured out like their offices were on the tenth floor at three eighty seven Park South, and there was a whole line of of offices on the side that were editors. Yeah. There was a bullpen, and the the mailroom must have been on nine and the the executive offices seem to be on 11 and you know starting to piece all this this stuff together like elliot r brown baby it's all we have to thank elliot r brown for almost the yeah. majority of our information right yeah yeah those maps were very helpful yes exactly <laughs> and, and <clears throat> this was like before foursquare <laughs> way before oh, yeah, four totally, square decades yeah. this was my foursquare yeah 
right? Where you just figure out where stuff is. Perfect stalker material. Yes. And, you know, of course, I used it like a stalker because um, one day I, I actually did try to break into the Marvel offices after hours, not knowing oh. that duh, there would be a security guard there <laughs> and, and getting stopped, me and my friend. Um, and this is at like seven, eight o'clock at night or something. Like, right. I think it was like seven, like eight o'clock at night. Right. At least uh, it was really dark and it was summer. So, yeah, it had to be after eight. Um, and yeah, it tried to get up there, tried to sneak around, got <laughs> caught, me and my friend, and wound up being one of the best experiences of my life. It just kind of opened the doors for me. Well, okay, so let, let, uh, let's tease this out just a little bit because I'm, I'm curious. So what was the, let, let's start off with the motivation of <laughs> why why did you think it was a good idea to, to break, like, why do you think it was a good idea and what did you think you could achieve by breaking in there is this more are you is are you just driven by free comics is it at this point in life I, no this was okay this was sheer uh teenage stupidity okay sure yeah right i'm 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 young i'm invulnerable i mean yeah. i'm like 16 at the time there's right? no there's no there's no second order effect of whatever i do no 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 there there are no consequences or anything no. I was I was just a stupid kid hanging out with my friend in the village, and yeah. then we went we started going uptown from there. And you you just happen to have this uh, map hand drawn out. <laughs> right. Stop. I, I I we we were coming up from the village, um, probably around Aster on the sixth train. Uh huh. And we start rolling to uh, like we're coming up on 23rd street and I'm like, Hey, the next stop is where Marvel comics is. I tell my friend angel mm -hmm. and he goes, all right, let's go. So the train pulls into 28th and I'm like, I'm not going up there. And he goes, yeah, come on. So he jumps out. I jump out. So, okay. And that's where the adventure starts. Angel. Of course his name is angel, right? Right. right. Angel Torado. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The good angel or bad angels there with you at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And okay. uh, you're, yeah. you're on the platform and your heart's racing because you're like, I'm, am I, are we doing this? Are we heading? Mine is, yeah. yeah I yeah. don't know about him. It he's just meant, like, this meant like, way more to me than it did to he's him. probably just like keep, kept going like, oh, let me just see what I can keep saying and then he'll keep going. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably just, you know, kicking shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. So, you're, so you get on 28th street and you, and you, and you, you make the walk, the, the, the two block walk over to the, the to the office. Right. Bill. And there's the glass doors. Yeah. Okay. Yep. With 287 right above it. Okay. In yep. nice stainless steel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We go in. We go up. He's like, so where do we go? And I'm well, like, oh, I know this. There was no doubt. There was no downstairs, like at night guard that was no. straight up. Okay. No, no. All that was like after the 90s. They did yeah. that. Like after 9 11 and shit. And, right. you know, even late 90s. Um, but yeah, no security guard downstairs by the elevator or anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I, you know, I tell him, well, we go to 10. So we go to 10 <laughs> and I, we go and the lobby, the lights turn on in the lobby and I'm like, oh, okay. And there's a desk, there's a front desk for the reception area uh -huh. and just walk right past, you know, and I, I go. So the glass, door, <clears throat> wait, the glass door wasn't there. Uh, elevator. No. No, elevator, oh no, there was a glass door. Yeah, because her desk was behind the glass. She had a glass partition right to her to her desk. 
whose name I'm totally blanking on right now. And she was the sweetest of sweet people. Yeah, um, she was. And then there was a glass door that led into the hallway where you could get to the stairs to go downstairs. And then you could go right, you know. This over. was the elevator. Yeah. There was an elevator. There was a glass door. And then the reception area. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So went through the, the door. It was open. It was unlocked. Sweet. Cleaning and, crew. Yeah. And I could go either left or right. And I didn't know that on the right was like Terry Stewart's office. If I'd gone down that way. So I, I went left. Towards the bullpen. Towards the bullpen. Yeah. Because I walked towards the desk and I saw all the, the, the drafting tables and I'm like, bullpen. Okay, folks, if, if you are paying attention, watching or listening to this, hit pause. Go search Elliot R. Brown map of Marvel <laughs> comic books at 287 Park Avenue South. Yeah. And then you can follow along with uh, Chris's Chris's uh, smash and grab adventure here. So Yeah, you can see right how big now. of an idiot I was. Yeah, so now here you are. You, there's a draft. <laughs> and uh, okay, go. Yeah, so I could take the left road or the right road. I took the left road to the bullpen because I saw yeah. the desks. Yeah. And uh, I'm talking to my friend Angel, who's like next to me and a and like a foot behind me. And all of a sudden I feel like, like a Scooby-Doo situation. <laughs> I feel a hand on the back of my collar <laughs> and the security guard, Tony, mm -hmm. I learned his name later. He's like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I just, I just wanted to see the offices. I wanted to, he's like, so book a tour. So I'm like, yeah. I and I explained to him like the whole, my whole story. Right. One, draw comics and free comics free comics <laughs> you know i just want to see how it's done yeah and he goes all right come with me oh. so i'm like oh okay this got really interesting uh so we continue to the bullpen and in the bullpen is uh mark Tixera, jimmy palmiati michael bear and another guy and who i can't remember and uh a production guy named george roberts Okay. Right. George Roberts, sweetest guy ever. Right. They were all really nice. Yeah. Tony told me, uh, stay out of their way and you can watch for a little bit. I'll come get you in a minute. Oh. George Roberts goes, hey, I got them. And Tony goes, okay. So George Roberts gave me and my friend a tour of, you know, the immediate area, the bullpen. Yeah. I got to watch these guys working on an issue of Ghost Rider. Okay, so this is ninety one. Yeah, this is ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. This, okay. Yeah. No. I. So I know. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm with you. They're probably fixing all the crappy Ghost Rider faces I drew when I drew Ghost Rider. <laughs> all I know is that Bobby Chase needed that book in the next day, and Bobby I mean, was not about made, to miss it. I that probably long. made that mistake, and that was me. They were fixing my mistakes. I'm kidding, but go ahead. <laughs> I learned that day. Bobby never sends a book out late. No. And. uh if it, no matter what it takes to get done, it's going to get done. And yep. that's why everyone was there and they were jamming and they were just going through pages like a freaking typewriter. Yeah. And, and George took me and my friend around, took me and angel around. Uh, he's like, yeah, they're working on this. This is this. Hey, do you want some posters? Uh -huh. And if you see, wait, this poster right that's here, the, that's the daredevil one by Mobius. Uh, this is no, this is the Kent Williams. Oh, Kent Williams. Okay. Daredevil and Electra. Okay, right on, dude. Right? That's yeah. one of the posters I got. Nice. <laughs> I still have all the posters from that day. Oh, yeah. I'm Mike sure. Zek Punisher. That one, that, that Daredevil Electra one. Mm -hmm. um, 
John Jr., uh, Heart of Darkness with Wolverine, oh, Ghost yeah. Rider, Punisher. I still have all those posters. I got an uncut sheet of X-Force cards. Mm. You know, any any kind of thing that they, they would give to fans, like super yeah. fans, I, I walked out of there with, as yeah. long as there were multiple copies, right? And I got to hang out. I got to ask questions. Mm. George took me to the side, and he was showing me how to draw, like, certain things, and he was teaching me about using reference and all this inside stuff that I had no idea what was going on. Right. It was just like a really nice, I, I think we were there almost an hour. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, wow. Okay. This is. It, it was an amazing experience for me. Yeah. You know, and I was like, fuck, this is it. This is what I'm doing. You know, there's no turning back. I had already applied to SVA at the time. Uh, oh, oh you weren't thinking this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to break into places. That wasn't this. That wasn't the takeaway. That, that was the takeaway. Yeah. I'm yeah, just going to start breaking into shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next, on, next yeah. on the agenda was DC comics. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'm in Manhattan. So, okay. So you, so no, I didn't go to this, DC. Comics. This is spring. This must've been spring ish time uh, in 91. Yeah. Um, been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of gauging because that's around, you know, that was during Mark's run on, on the Ghost Rider. So that, that kind of makes, that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, because you started at SVA in, I guess, in the fall of '91. Yeah, yeah. So like, so right after I graduated, that you, you got, you rolled in, and that, you know, with that sort of whole new crew, that sort of kind of was, you know, with JP and and that lot. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's okay. That's so that, that all tracks. So you were just full on locked in. You're like, I'm going to go to SVA. I think this is something I can do. I, right. I think I can get free comics. And then you do the B and E yeah. and instead of ending up <laughs> with bracelets, you ended up getting a, a freaking full first star real, a real tour. Yeah of a business where it wasn't somebody talking to you just saying like, and over here's where we do the thing here. And this is the, that like, right. this is a person who like thoroughly got it. Like you're a kid who is willing to do this because you want to do this and you're and dude, that guy changed your life. Yeah, he did. He did. Tony changed my life. George Roberts changed my life. Tony. Yeah. Let's forget George for a second. Tony, like Tony had a choice. Yeah. Like there's a choice. Like, listen, the easy choice is be a dick, you know, and just like, you know, read the kids the riot act, kick them out, scare them, whatever the thing is, which is probably what happens like nine out of 10 times, if not more. Yeah. Um, but Tony didn't. Like, Tony said, like, you got this, this, you aren't bad. Like, he was clearly sniffed out. This is not a bad situation. Um, yeah. And then George, George reinforced, you know, the positive sides of the whole thing. And then meanwhile, like, I'm sure Jamie and those guys weren't like, what are you guys doing here? Like, they were probably like, hey, what's up? You know? But, yeah, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. 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 Because they were all they were all freaking 18 years old at one point. Right. Wanting to do this 17, 18, whatever, how old you were. Um, dude, that's a, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. Like, really. Okay. So SVA is sitting in the future. So that summer, you must have just been like over the top. Like, yeah, I was. I was. I was. I had just this renewed fever. Yeah. You know, and excitement. And 
I mean, dude, for for years after that, um, I would still swing by the Marvel offices and bring Tony coffee. Oh, smart move. You know, and when I when I broke in with my first job, you know, I I hugged him and yeah. told him, "Hey, man, I did it," and he was so happy for me. Oh my god! You know, um, but yeah, but the SVA years, man. Right, right after having doing that stupid thing, the SVA time was it. It was so, it was fantastic for me because. Uh-huh. You know, this wasn't a world I had grown up in. It wasn't, it was always something I'd seen from the outside looking Mm -hmm. in. It was always something I'd seen through the filter of I'm a stupid kid from the Bronx. You know, Mm -hmm. I've got a lot stacked against me. Uh, You know, I'm just going to do the best I can and we'll see what happens. And I wound up, I went to SVA and it wasn't my first choice. I wanted to go to Parsons. Okay. But I think, you know, fate had it for me to go to SVA and meet certain people like uh, John Paul, John mm-hmm. Paul Leon, Brett Lewis, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Gross, those guys. Like really great people. Yeah. Chris yeah. Batista. Sure. Chris. Uh, shout out to Chris. I keep trying to get Chris to come on the show. It's impossible. Yeah. Chris is awesome. Yeah. Uh, great. Such a nice, he's such a nice guy. Like, yeah sweetheart of a guy super just like you know as flashy as chris can look he's a really shy dude like he's you know it's like he's a really really sweet guy um yeah okay so i yeah i mean so i mean like that whole like you know like so so jp brett kevin chuck like those guys are all you know two three years behind me but they were all like like and, and Chuck went to Cooper Union just to right, know, yeah, but he, but he was friends with those guys. So yeah, with Chuck, Mr. Hopshot, Cooper Union. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're but they're like he was always around, and like there was they were like they were really tight, you know. And like I mean, I had my my tight crew. Everyone's got their tight crew at that school for like whatever group of years you're kind of moving through. But man, it's like you guys to me were really impressive in the in the terms of how you really all kind of like work together like there was like you were like extra credit kids like there was just this goal of like getting into the business and really being like pretty professional about it pretty early on which yeah i think was not as prevalent in the pre in the earlier years of sva i think it was a bit more of just like hey you go here and you can get a job being an illustrator or doing comics or whatever the thing and i don't think there was a really strong kind of push because you know well, SBA didn't teach that a whole lot from my experience anyway. Yeah. And that Will, was more so through Mike Davis's thing. Yeah. And we, but the, yeah, because like Will Eisner, like really honestly, the strongest person for that was Gene Colin. Like right. Will Eisner was like, he, you know, he's an auteur. He was a do it yourself kind of guy. So I don't think he, he like, he looked at Marvel and DC as like, it like, the enemy or something i don't know i mean i don't want to put words into 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 his historical record but like he was never sort of like about like oh yeah you'd be great drawing <laughs> character x you know right. uh, he i don't think he cared um but gene was very much like oh yeah it looks like you probably should start going up there and start talking to the editors you know and it was a very good thing to have him in that terms of just getting yourself you know into the pipeline um right. And you guys, that whole Mike Davis thing, I don't, I mean, I'm 
partially glad that didn't exist, you know, in our in our sphere, because I think I might have been involved with it, you know, because sort of ambition. But I'm like, man, like I, I, I had a really good time at SVA. I had great girlfriend. I had all these good things. I'm like that a lot of that stuff might have been sacrificed um, for for the the Davis school of, you know, comics. Um, I, I got a lot out of it, man. I'm sure. I, the relationships I built, um, the perspective it gave me, the motivation it gave me, the opportunities it afforded me. Uh, you know, there is, when, when people get into a, a situation like that, an opportunity like that, an environment like that, you know, there are different ways you can take it. And um, I think growing up the way I grew up, I was very determined to turn it into a thing for myself. Yeah. And 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 you know, explore every opportunity I could that that I could figure from that situation. Um and and I think I I did okay. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it 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 gave me not just, you know, professional relationships and insight into the business. Um it gave me a lot of a lot of friendships yeah and the perspective uh it it was such a, a a unique experience going through that that studio that situation mm-hmm. um and evolving along with it as it progressed because <clears throat> when i when i came into mike davis's bad boy studios it was right after milestone was set up yep brett kevin uh, John Paul, Bernard Chang, Sean Martinborough—they mm-hmm. were all already there, and I was coming in. I was meeting all these guys and seeing the work, and that was a huge motivation for me. Um, Michael invited me to apprentice at his studio, and that was a huge motivation for me. Mm-hmm. And getting to sit next to a bunch of the other guys, like like Brett and Chuck and Kevin, and those guys and work in the studio and understand how just the mechanics of it yeah the process i i never would have gotten that anywhere else yeah no i didn't listen i didn't have it like i did because we all worked you know I, i i was in the dorms at sva so it was like you know you go into your dorm and you you go into your room and you do your work and like right. it, it wasn't like it wasn't a sort of a studio setup right uh, yeah huh it that's, was such a different beast yeah well i mean and i think that's that i mean i think what's so great is that like i mean i think it's great how that group of people embraced it and how it really like in the timeliness of the whole thing because of the whole milestone thing kind of happening there was a real sort of convergence between the, the sort of this group of talent that was you know in college at the time and then sort of even you know evolving right into the business some during school or some right after school so it was um it was super exciting so when you so you graduated what 94 95 i ran out of money ah there you go that one i didn't graduate yeah gotcha well you're not the only one sure so yeah so michael davis's bad boy studios was how i supplemented my education aha uh-huh. okay so you were so were you like you were training it from the bronx all the way into jersey city yep okay every day wow. and, and i had a, a job at uh a d'agostino supermarket on the on the west side in, in chelsea okay so i was balancing these long commutes 
and not getting home to like midnight, one in the morning sometimes, yeah. you know, and just getting up the next day, you know, and doing it again, get to Jersey again by, by eight 30. Yep. Or eight o'clock, whatever Mike said was the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was rough, but, and, and it was a sacrifice, sure. um, but it's something I needed to do. And, and there wasn't anything I could give up, you know, out of those things. It was either not do the, the, the time in Mike's studio or not do the job the, that was bringing in money. Right. Um, or not living in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any frame of reference for not living in the Bronx and living somewhere else that I could afford. Right. Would be closer to either of those things. Yeah. So I, I made the commute. Yeah. And I, and I think, it, yeah. And, and when you're young, you don't have, you don't have the sort of the internal resources to kind of go, okay, let me, let me just step back and take a look. Cause there probably could have been someone who was 32 years old at the time, you know, the, the, the wise age of 32 right. who could have said to you, like, you know, here's what you can do. You know, there are grocery stores in Jersey city. There are, there are inexpensive apartments in Jersey city. You could, you could hop over there and you could go do the same thing and right. you would save yourself, you know, three hours a day, you know, and, but you, but when you're a kid, you're like, well, this is what I got, you know, and yeah. I'll just grinding this out. So like, what was your, like, what was your self vision of like what was happening? Cause like, for me, it was, I'm going to go draw comics from Marvel and DC. Like that was right. like, that was, there was no sort of other, there was no other thing. Like I was just fully focused on that, on that one goal. Um, did you, did you, you know, I didn't, I mean, I, I mean, and I've said it here before and I'll say it a million more times and I don't, you know, and I'm sorry for everyone who hears this over and over, but like my first paying gig at Marvel was writing. It wasn't drawing. I got hired to draw, but I didn't have a, pro but the project wasn't written yet. So I'm sitting around waiting for it. And then I went to an editor and, you know, you know, and she was like, oh, I don't have, you know, like I don't have anything for you. And, and I said, oh. and I said, well, can I write something? And she's like, yeah, sure. But it's gotta be a good story. I'm like, all right. You know, but it, like, it was like, so like I ended up writing and then drawing my own story, but I, I like, but the, the, the lack, the lack of vision that I had was I didn't even realize that I could, could do that again. Like, I just thought like, okay, cool. Like I landed, I landed another, I landed a drawing gig. I didn't realize that like I made my own drawing gig. Um, right. So it was one of those weird kind of like lack of like, once again, like I didn't move to Jersey city and go work at the, at the, you know, the grocery store there. I right. struggled, you know, <laughs> trying to do the other thing. So, right. um, and so like, because I was so focused, like I'm going to be a penciler. It wasn't, I wasn't going to be a cover artist. I wasn't going to be a penciler inker. It wasn't going to be penciling or cut. Like it was just to be a penciler. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have that sort of, ability to kind of take half a step back and go, you need to do another thing too. It's okay. No one's going to yell at you. Right. Um, like, so what was your, like, you're working in a studio, but like, were you buried in the studio where you, could you like envision yourself independent of that? Or like, how was the, the, the goal was always to do something independent of the studio, right? Okay regardless and i wanted to, i wanted the studio to be a place where i could learn and hone my craft yeah you know not even realizing that that's what i was doing at the time but that's mm -hmm. what you know ultimately was the goal yeah um just learn as much as i could figure out the biggest hurdle was figuring out what i didn't know sure. and the yeah. studio gave me that 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 information right 
So I was, I was exposed to a lot of stuff. Um, and just like you and probably everyone else, I had dreams of being a big time penciler, yep. you know, doing a run on Daredevil. That was my thing. And I drawn Daredevil sample pages out the ass Yeah. Uh, for all kinds of different things. And working in the studio, being exposed to all these different things, you know, I was, I, I did everything from layouts mm -hmm. um, to ruling out panel borders mm -hmm. uh spotting blacks inking backgrounds yep. um a little bit of tightening up figures uh acquiring reference material i did all these different parts of the job yeah and it got to the point where being exposed to all these different things uh i landed on coloring it was it was a thing that came in. We were doing some books for Triumphant. Yep. Way back in the day. Uh, mm -hmm. Chromium Man Zero, Triumphant Unleashed Zero, you know, um, Scavengers, whatever. I don't even remember what number it was. But, you know, we, we've done all these jobs on these books. And, you know, I think Kevin and I were doing a lot of the coloring. And I learned so much from Kevin McCarthy yeah at the time uh and then chuck was always very willing to help me out and i learned a lot from chuck drost at the time too and i kind of landed on wow this is something i think i could do you know as long as i could make a living at it because i again no frame of reference mm -hmm. i didn't know what i didn't know um i figured this is something i could do i could switch up and even still pursue penciling later on down the line if i wanted yeah. to sure but I, I was I was drawn to it to this kind of work, mm -hmm. you know, especially after after having been exposed to books like um, Electra Lives Again and seeing what Lynn Varley did with oh, Blue yeah. Line Coloring. Yep. Blue Line Coloring was my favorite. I, when I dropped into Mike Davis's studio, it was at the end of them doing Shado, and that was all Blue Line. Okay. So I got to see Chuck do a little bit of that. Uh -huh. and, and explain that process to me. And then I'd go back and I'd like, oh, Electra lives again. Ooh, Dark Knight Returns. Sure. And 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 then, you know, Havoc Wolverine Meltdown. I'd start going back and looking at all these things. And, you know, Meltdown wasn't blue line. It was it, but yeah. Yeah. But you know, you start making the jump from the four color process to the blue line to the painted, like John mm -hmm. J. Muth, Kent Williams, Belson Kevich. And you start seeing, you start not just seeing, but you start understanding. Yeah how the medium can evolve. Yes. And I figured, you know what? Maybe my career can evolve. Maybe I can start out doing coloring. Maybe I can, uh -huh. you know, later on do more illustration work and whatever. So that kind of opened the door for me to start coloring. And then ever since that, like I was, that was my thing. It's, and I love it. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting because that's, I mean, like, uh, Steve Pusilato sort of had a similar kind of path, you know, like he, he was breaking in as a penciler at the same time I was, but Steve ended up doing just coloring. Like he really focused on his coloring work. I mean, he still draws all the time, but it was like yeah. his thing. And, but like, I, I, I mean, I think you're, I mean, listen, and you can make a good living being a colorist because you could crank out a bunch of pages in a day. Like it was not a, not an impossibility. Um, and I love actually I I mean I did a bunch of coloring of my own projects, you know, and I loved coloring. I loved I loved the you know, this the sort of 
the color theory aspect of it, like how to tell this, how to improve the storytelling with the color. I liked coding it. I'll be honest. I loved, I love sitting there and coding out the stuff. Um, you know, cause you could sit back and go, I could do this whole thing without actually putting color down. I could just code, you know, like you could, if you could see it in your head, you could just do that. But, um, yeah. it was, a, it, it was cool. Um, so now that's, that's, so that's, to, that's totally interesting that you, you, and you were gelling. I mean, you were gelling with what like Lynn Varley was doing, you know, and what, um, Oh, I'm going to blank, I'm blanking her name, but Mazzucchelli's Oh, Richmond Lewis, yeah. Richmond Lewis, like, I mean, like, the, those two women, like, really sort of, like, evolved comic coloring, you know, in that five-year period. Like, it changed, yeah. like, completely. Like, it's like, oh, wow, you could really do some interesting stuff. So, yeah. um, my, 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 uh, my, my trinity there would be Richmond Lewis, Lynn Varley, and Sherilyn Van Valkenburg. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. The work, the, the coloring she did on JRJR. Dude, yeah, just so good, so yeah. good. And then um, I found out that Sherilyn Van Valkenburg was an illustrator, right? Um, I had it was so it was such a weird. Uh, sorry to derail. No, no, no. But it was it was such a weird uh, thing that popped into my head. I'm I'm growing up. My parents, my dad especially, used to love to listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right. Sweet. So, yeah, so I was, I was a fan by proxy. Mm -hmm. um, they released this really nice box set. I forget when, maybe late eighties, early nineties, whatever it was. And the cover of the box set was painted by Sherilyn Van Valkenburg. Oh, weird. And I was like, holy shit, that's the same person. Yeah. And I put those two things together. And that's when I, I realized. Wait, could, I mean, do you know this for a fact? I mean, there might be another Sherilyn. Another Sherilyn Van Valkenburg. No, I, I <laughs> yeah, I'm That's pretty sure. Never has to worry about like, I wonder if someone has my URL. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but that like, so like you, the, I guess there was an expansion of consciousness at that point of like, oh, yes. it's like it, the, the, the people aren't only like, I'm only into doing comic books. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly it. Yeah. Cause oh, you, know, you cool. don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, and I, I gotta, I gotta agree that I think that those three like were the modernists of color coloring comics at the pre-digital age. I think yeah. that like they really created a whole new palette for people to pay attention to and colors. And I think one of the most underrated, in my opinion, underrated colors is, is um, Klaus Janssen. Yeah, I think undeniably one of the greatest eyes for, and I'm talking page panel coloring not covers i'm just talking straight up you know narrative storytelling and the, the klaus klaus's palette is so good yeah so good and i mean like you know there's there's there, i mean chiarello is one of the great all-time colorists and you know you know there, there's the you know, hollingsworth you know these people are super super great and super influential like i mean those they were the 90s man they they were the like you saw their work and like, oh, this is another level up, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, good, absolutely. Like, like, oh, this is a good project because they got one of these people on it. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so that's cool. So you, so you got this sort of like, I think I can do this kind of moment with coloring, which is pretty cool. Now, I mean, how do you, but like, how do you square that? Cause like, you know, like I did a few coloring gigs 
for some people over the years, not a lot, but just a, a few things when, you know, the work wasn't rolling in, you know, and some of you are like, Hey, you want to color this thing? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I'd love to do it. You know, but like, how do you square the sort of, you know, the, the, was the, you know, the SVA motto of like, you know, you know, to be the biggest, the best, whatever the thing is, I can't remember what their motto is, but the, you know, right. Like, how do you square it? Like, is, is there a moment like in your mind, like, okay, like I'm putting that aside, like the, the dream is going to the side because I'm doing this. Or did you say this is a part of the dream? Like, how was your... I, I definitely saw it as a branch, not as an instead of, not as a replacement, right? Very um, cool. Because my attitude was always, even from the beginning, learn as much as you can about all the aspects of comic book production as possible. Yeah. Right. So as soon as I... As soon as I, I got the, the bite for, for coloring, as soon as I got that taste, mm -hmm. um, I just started working up samples on my own okay. uh, and trying to explore it and trying mm -hmm. to learn more about it, asking questions, working up more samples, getting critiques, working up more samples, uh, and critiques not just from people in the studio, but I was able to get inroads to editors and show them my work for yep. critiques. Not not thinking, okay, I'm ready for work, but I need to know what I need to improve on what these folks are looking for. Um, and that's exactly what I got. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Augustine yeah. was helpful in that regard. Um, Pat Garrahy at Marvel was helpful in that regard. Uh, you know, I was able to show, because of the, the inroads that I was afforded through Mike's studio, yeah. you know, I was able to, to, take advantage of those opportunities, those connections. Um, and even around the studio, you know, it brings samples in and show them off. And Michael definitely saw that, that that's where my interest lay, uh, my new developed interest in, in coloring. And when it was time for him to move on from milestone to whatever, what the next thing wound up being, he brought me with him and had me in charge of coloring. Okay. And it was just like I was thrown in the deep end. There was still a lot I didn't know that a lot that I couldn't wrap my head around um, in, in as far as the creative process of, of coloring, because there yeah. is a lot involved. There is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize it's not just putting one color down and not having it be the same color right next to it. <laughs> yeah. It's you like know? I think there's I mean, and that's you know, that's really I mean, it's so interesting you say that because. I, 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 you know, I would not call myself a colorist, but like, I, I was very instinctual. Like, it was all very instinctual how I would how to approach it. I, I would have a sort of a theme idea, but I really wouldn't be too heavy into it. But like, you know, talking like with, you know, Matt, you know, Hollingsworth, you know, if you talk to him, like, I mean, he, he thinks a lot about what he's going to be doing with that issue, you yeah. know, or series or whatever. Like that thing is, and like, it's not just a, you know, okay, I'm coloring this page now. I'm coloring this page. And like, he's there's a very holistic kind of approach to something. And I think that's what you're saying is that yeah. there's, there, there's this real very deep thing. Um, now that's not 90% of comics. 90% of comics is I'm coloring this page. Now I'm coloring this page. Now I'm coloring this page because right. not everybody who's coloring comics is a colorist. Let's just be fair. And it's not, and I'm not trying to bash anyone, but it's just, that's kind of how it is yeah. um, because the damn book's got to get done. Yeah. And and I worked in that mode for a very long time too, very early in my career. The the book's gotta get done. 
Yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't building the career I wanted. Right. So that was another shift that happened. Uh, luckily earlier in, in, in my career than later in my career. And even still, it's so hard to change up gears like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things about coloring that, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize just to backtrack a tiny bit is there is such a relationship between coloring and actual painting mm -hmm. that uh it's almost the same thing right like like it's it's almost identical the theories involved the techniques involved you know and and i've uh i mean i'm i'm, I'm lucky now that i can i have a platform to to impart that kind of uh knowledge that kind of uh framework in in my classes because i teach coloring classes yeah but i'm once you take a second just tell like tell everyone about that because oh. you're, you're you're doing the next generation thing yeah. so what, what is what are what where what um well keeping in mind that you know i grew up uh not having opportunities you know i developed a class with comics experience mm -hmm. uh that kind of it's the class I wish I could have taken when I was younger in my yeah. career. Yeah. Um, it's an online class uh, that we teach at comicsexperience.com. They have a bunch of different courses for writing art, uh, writing video games, comics, you know, scripts, animation, all kinds of stuff. Uh, story uh, pencils, uh, as far as like drawing 101 and mm -hmm. storytelling and anything you would get in in a college course i teach the coloring course right cool um so i built the course like i said as something i wish i something was available to me yeah uh when i was early in my career and i teach it as an art course because it's an art course it's not a photoshop course it's not a computer course you know i teach it as an art course everyone gets uh artwork from like the big publishers Valiant, Marvel, DC, uh, Image, IDW, Lion Forge, you know, um, nice mix of stories. Everything that you would want to build a portfolio, you know, the perfect portfolio, I make sure that I put together. And <clears throat> it's it's a painting course. You yeah. know, I teach color theory, values and lighting, um, composition. You know, we go through all this stuff. I designed all this stuff with Andy Schmidt in a way that it's uh it's easily digestible in these small chunks mm -hmm. you know over the course of uh six weeks right um we meet once a night for a couple of hours we usually go over <laughs> uh but you know that's what happens yeah uh, i critique everyone's homework assignments everyone gets homework assignments Jeez. this is all stuff that you know, if I was coming up, this this would make me excited because oh my God. like no, totally, dude. Because it's oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think and I th it's it's I think this the most important part of the thing is like it's not a thing of like, hey, we need to do a coloring class. Which one of you people can teach how to do coloring in Photoshop? Like you're not going right. it, like you're giving someone a foundation of understanding like tech dude technique is like that's that's not that's not what you need like there, right. it's it's really easy to kind of think that technique is the solution but it's not it, it's yeah. that foundation that's really the important part 
that's cool. So how long did like, you just, but you've got, you guys just rolled this up not too long ago, right? No, we've been oh. doing this for uh, over a decade. Oh my God. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've been doing this online course. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Wow. Yeah. Over Insane. a decade we've been doing it. Uh, my class sells out every time. Uh, er every time. Always wow. sold out. Right. And I've got, I've had editors come in to take my my course just so yeah. they can better understand the, the process. Great idea. Yeah. I've had writers come in to take my course so they can un better understand the process. Mm -hmm. You know, pencilers, we, we've had uh, Dave Finch, Jamal Eigel, yeah. uh, Rochelle Rosenberg, um, Heather Antos, uh, David Pepos, uh, uh, Amy Chu, Rich Dueck, you yeah. know, editors, writers, yeah. artists all taking the class, Sean Chen, uh, Peter Krause, all taking my course, um, all to better understand the process, to add tools to their, their, their quiver. Yeah. Right. To their portfolio. Um, I've had students go on from my classes to get actual work. Right. Which, you know, is, is, is a nice feather in my cap. Oh yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's loose. It's fun. It's organic. I mean, it's all done real time. Yeah. And there are things I, I make sure I get through. Um, but you know, it's very laid back. I, I don't make it a thing where, you know, Oh, you failed this, you know, <laughs> it's all very, hey, Oh, you're not allowed to use orange. And I, I that was the rule. Right. Sorry. Fail. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it's all, it's totally uh organic and very mellow you know yeah. i i don't I, I try not to treat it like like a like school mm -hmm. you know it's it's an it's a cool thing to do you're gonna learn it because i don't stress anyone out <laughs> right you know okay i i i'm i, I okay so you, so t 10 years that's i mean it's a huge huge thing but 10 years ago <clears throat> we couldn't do what we're doing right now meeting software as soon as things like go to meeting came yeah, out sure uh what was it go to meeting adobe connect those are all the different things that we used very early on and once that stuff started popping up andy and i jumped on it because okay. we had been talking about it for years even before that right right yeah. um how could because andy started comics experience this is his baby Mm -hmm. He started it as a thing where he had had a physical class in a physical building with people showing up with notebooks and stuff. And this is how you write whatever you want to write. And it was a writing course. Right. Okay. And Andy had me as a guest speaker come in, you know, to, to this office that he had set up, this meeting room he had set up. And I said a bunch of shit, whatever it was. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. And we got to talking, you know, I would love to, he said, I would love to do like an art thing or a coloring thing and attach it to this. And I'm like, yeah, it's so hard because, you know, you don't know how many people you'd get signed up. Uh, you'd have to have equipment on hand. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets really expensive. And he's like, yeah, I wish there was a way we could do this, you know, without having to physically be in, in the same room. Yep. And then go to meeting pops up. Uh -huh. And we're like, that's that's it. That's the solution. Everyone already has a computer. Yep. You just outline some basic requirements and you know, we can do this. 
<clears throat> and it was, you know, th those meeting software things, those were very bare bones. They were, they were really, they were really, they were really, really rudimentary in, in, you know, comparison, comparison to what we have. I mean, listen, our phones are better than what we had back then. So, yeah. um, that, that, so that's, so that's so cool because I mean, listen, the do like, so that, that kind of pivots me into back into, into sort of the, the, the storyline, the technology. So you were there just like we were all there yep. when the computer became a chief part of the comic book creation process. Um, yes. I remember getting tracking down Laverne Kendersky's phone number in like, I don't know, like the mid to late nineties um, right. and calling them up like on my first, I think it was my first cell phone I ever had, you know, to, to like go, okay, how do I do this? Like, how do I, like, I'm not even a colorist, you know, like, but I'm like, I need to know how to do this. I need to know how to do, use a computer. Cause I'm, I clearly understood that this was what the future held. Yeah. Um, and it was like <clears throat> black magic, you know, back then, like, he's like, well, you need this, 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 and this. And I was like, okay you know and it was really like overwhelming and i think it was a few yeah. years later when i finally actually like got the equipment that i could actually do that that with but um it was a really interesting period because it was like the companies were like cool we're all in on computer coloring you know like they just like it must it must have seen it on paper on the spreadsheet that that was the way to go or right. it was the new sexy i don't know what the i really honestly don't know what the, the point was um like in the decision making matrix but the thing was is we ended up once again now when i said like the most people who do the coloring are colorists like that was a hundred percent the case at the time there were like yeah. three people who knew how to do computer coloring and everybody else didn't and it was a lot of lot of pink yeah um and it was horrible but yeah. um what was like so what from like your your vantage point like what what like we're gonna we're gonna have uh patricia mulville on later awesome. this season like that's someone who's been there the whole time too you know like yeah. and I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing her point of view on that but um so like how did you like were you looking at like uh you know or were you like yes you know, like what was the <laughs> i mean it was scary the first my first professional comics coloring experience was all hand colors, like right. watercolor and stuff. <clears throat> um, and I broke in at Marvel doing, you know, color guides, yeah. hand painted color guides with coding and everything. And to the, and and so deeply entrenched that, you know, you walk around the city and you go like, oh, that guy's a nice B twenty five. You know, oh, oh, you, oh, you're the you're the fancy colorist with the with the the, the, the percentages versus uh, you know, was it R one Y nine Y two Y three? Like right. they only had four choices. There was there was one hundred percent, seventy five percent, twenty you know, twenty five percent. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, um, it was all yeah. It was yeah. And then you do the DC gig and it's like, oh, you can do these at ten percent increments. You're like, you can. Like yeah. it was like a huge like, and then it's like. Oh shit! So Robin's chess piece is uh, R nine Y, you know B one. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. right yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. But meanwhile, like Spidey's red is you know is R Y three. Okay. Yeah. One. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. So. Um, 
because marvel was always a little bit behind on the coloring like yeah. what they were doing because i think because dc went all in on baxter paper early on they were like yeah they did we can do different and uh, you know yeah whatever um so how did the how did the how did so how did you like what was your engagement first engagement with the computer the computer aspect and what did you like that that was that that was during Michael's second venture after Milestone right okay. uh, it was uh, Motown and it wound up being Motown oh, animation. yeah 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 right yeah Michael brought a bunch of us on staff there as editors uh -huh. um, and I was in charge of LA right yeah yeah. Okay. We started in Jersey City for a couple of years, yeah. and then in '94 we moved to LA. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, at '96, uh, I moved back here to New York. Smart, right? Yeah. Um, and it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, I started digitally coloring there. Okay. Learning the process. Um, we had people come in at one point trying to kind of demystify the software because, you know, I started on the first version of Photoshop. Yeah. Right. which was really tough yes you know and then as the software got a little better we had people like michelle wolfson from electric crayon come in uh i had clydeen knee come in yeah go ahead okay whoa okay so very strange okay so how do i okay great person love her to death she was yeah. my girlfriend like really we dated for a period of time. She wasn't in the comics industry. She was, she was so at, at New York Comic-Con, the guy who ran New York Comic-Con, wait, I might be mixing two stories up here, two different girls, but. um, Don't do that. No, no, so I met, I met, I met Michelle, I, I met Michelle because she was, she was going to school with Steve Ellis. Okay. A comic book artist. Yeah. And they, Steve and a, a couple of his friends who were wanting, you know, sort of wanting to get in the comic industry went to the New York Comic Con. Michelle was along with them. I'm like, oh, who's this cute girl? So we ended up hanging out and then we ended up dating. And then she moved out to California. Um, and in that sort of confluence of time, and then like I went to San Diego, she, you know, showed up at San Diego. And that's how she met like Steve and all the people at Electric Crayon and ended up working working there. So that's okay. This is oh, wow, this is so interesting. Okay. A lot of overlap. Yeah, it's just it's a small business. It's a very small business, especially if you start dating people in it. Right. Um okay, so so Michelle and a few other people come over to demystify this. This it, yeah, because electric crayon really was kind of ahead of the time of the curve yeah. for everyone. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah, there was it was Michelle. Uh, Clydeen Knee also yep. very mm -hmm. instrumental. And I, I wish I could say I had broken this pattern, but while I was in LA, I, I tried to break into the top cow offices at night. <laughs> <laughs> and this seems to be a recurring theme. And, uh, you? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we got there <clears throat> completely unannounced. I didn't know that they had skeleton crews going all night. Oh so, yeah, I think they were a twenty-four hour business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got there and we finagled our way in. It was me and uh, oh shit, who was there? I'm sure Brett was there. Why not? Cause, yeah, because why not? <laughs> and I got to talking to JD Smith at the time, who was one of Top Cow's like premier guys. Him, Richard yeah. Isenov, those guys. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I sat with JD, and JD just kind of walked me through the steps while he's working on, I think, Witchblade or, or 
a rip claw book or something or, or whatever. Something. Yeah. And you know, all those things, great experiences and helped inform me. And yeah. again, I, I learned what I didn't know. And, uh, you know, it, it helped me in my, all that technical stuff, you know, understanding that. And then I was still surrounded by guys like Chuck Drost and them, mm -hmm. and they helped me with the creative stuff. And I was able to work through all the different versions of Photoshop and figure out my process and, yep. you know, kind of fine tune it. And when I came back in 96 to New York, I started hitting up the Marvel offices. Um, my friend, Sean Martinborough, he had already put me in contact with Jason Liebig at Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got a couple of X-Men covers, which was awesome for, to, to, to start at Marvel on yeah. X-Men covers. Not, not bad. bad. No. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> when I got physically into the offices, I had lined up a couple of meetings with Jason, uh, Matt Idelson, who was editing Deadpool at the time. Uh, Joe and he shared an office with Joe Andriani, who was editing uh, Tales to Astonish. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, and and then uh, wait, no, not Tales to Astonish. Uh, Journey into Mystery. Okay, <clears throat> right. Um, Sal Buscema Thor book. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, so I met with Jason. Uh, that meeting didn't go great, but it went. And it was fine. He walked me down to Matt's office and Matt and Joe shared an office. So I spoke to Matt. I showed him some coloring samples yeah. and showed them to Joe. Joe was looking at them too. You're like, hey, yeah, you know, I think they were impressed with the fact that I could do digital coloring Yep. at the time. But not all of their books were going to digital coloring. A lot right. of them were still being done by color guides. So unless it was a cover or an X-Men book, it was probably a guided book. Yep. Um, so I left the offices, uh, left them. I left everyone's samples. Yeah. Right. Um, when I got home later that day, that was like a Wednesday or, or something. I got a call from Matt Idelson, Uh And I'm staying at a friend's place because, you know, I just literally gotten off the plane the day right. before. Landed and you went right to work. Yeah. Because that's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, so he had called my friend's place looking for me and said, hey, I've got an issue of Deadpool. The thing is, it's really tight and Christian Leitner can't do it. So do you want to do color guides? And what am I going to say? No. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, if you can come by tomorrow, I can give you the book. It's due Monday. Okay. So I pick the pages up Thursday. I work all day uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sure. and the book in Monday. It's done. He loves it. Joe Andriani hires me to take over Journey into Mystery. Okay. And then uh, an issue or two later on Deadpool, Matt needs my help again, and then just gave me Deadpool, and then I'm coloring two books at Marvel. That's great. At the same time, yeah. It was it was nice. And, but it was two books, color guides. Yep. So not exactly what I had hoped, but still, right. you know, I'm there. I'm in. Yeah. And I just kept pushing for uh, the ability to do my own computer coloring. Yeah. Um, and they gave me covers. They gave me when the book went from being a when Journey into Mystery went from being a Thor spotlight book to uh, Shang Chi. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing color guides on that, and they let me start doing the covers digitally, which was yeah. nice. Deadpool, they let me start doing the covers digitally. Then Matt hired me for uh, Captain America. Oh. <clears throat> 
So I'm doing <clears throat> I'm doing Mark Wade and Andy Kubert Captain America. Hey, that's top 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 level there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, starting with issue nine at that yeah. time. Um, you know, I was I was thrilled. But then numbers dipped, you know, because that was all heroes return stuff. Yep. Numbers dipped a little bit and they couldn't they couldn't justify the expense of computer coloring, of digital coloring. Yeah. So I was like, all right. And then Marvel Knights picked me up to do Black Panther, Doctor Strange. Jimmy's back. Sure. Jimmy's back in the picture. Yep. Swinging in with his uh, his cape. Yep. Jimmy again. I love yeah. Jimmy. Oh, it's the best. I love he's Jimmy. He, he, Everywhere he, I turned, where I needed a hand. Same here, know. dude. Now, yeah. I, like that guy has every time in my career, if I can use that word, um, he was absolutely there every single time. If I'd be like, oh, I don't know, he he would like even when I was when I was down, he could somehow like sense it and find me and be like, Hey, so what, what's going on with you? You know, and you'd be like, yeah. Oh, and then he'd be like, Talk to this guy, you know, and then you're like talking to that guy, and next thing things are back, you know. Yep. The, the absolute, he's the absolute best. Yeah. 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 Jimmy's definitely one of those people. I mean, I'm totally loyal to him. Anytime yeah. he needs anything, I'm there. Yeah. You know, I'll make sure I have the time for him. Yeah. Never tell where the bodies are. That's, That's right. Yeah. Jimmy Pamiati for that reason. Uh, mm -hmm. Dennis Cowan for introducing me to Michael Davis. Sure. Um, Sean Martinborough for helping me with my first Marvel gig. And being so handsome. Of course. It takes amazing photos. <laughs> you know, the, the, and, 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 and Mark Wade. Just because yeah. when I came on Captain America, you know, Mark treated me like I was a member of the creative team, not a technician. That's cool. That's so cool. Fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, so Mark, I'm I'm on team Mark all the way. Oh, that's that that's that's it's pro that's probably a very rare thing. I, I gotta say. I, I I don't don't feel that that's a very common thing when it comes to the writer, because I mean the writers are sort of so early in the process that they might just be like, I'm four books ahead already. Uh, you know, by the time you're getting the coloring on this. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. But that Captain America run, when we started that, it was Cap loses the shield and he has this energy shield. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they were all like uh, Matt. Matt had had us all out to dinner. Me, Mark and Andy all out to dinner. We went, we got shrimp cocktail and everything. It was awesome. Ooh, and I'm just sitting there trying to not be an idiot because I'm sitting there with Mark Wade and Andy Kubert. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I, I'm, I'm trying to not, not fanboy, really. Right, right. Like I should, like I'd be able to sit here and, you know, <laughs> I belong here. Right, right. So then they start talking about Cap Shield and uh -huh. how do we pull this off? How do we do this? And I'm, you know, with my face full of, of whatever the fuck I was eating, sure. I, I'm like cocktail sauce dripping down the side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, let's make it like Kirby Crackle, but yeah. in the color of Cap Shield, and I can make it glow. I'll do knockouts. You know, yeah. don't worry about it. I got this. Yeah. And then right from there, you know, everything just kind of clicked. That was my little contribution to. to well, you you became you. So you you moved first off. You became an asset. Like you became a you came, became an asset to the creative process. Right. In the terms of like, okay, you're you're going to improve the storytelling of what we have going on here because now because what you offered to him was a special effects which didn't exist before. Like you're you're like right. your ILM saying, well, yeah, sure, we can make that happen. 
Yeah. And you're George and you know, the Mark's George Lucas going like, you can. Okay. So I, so now his creativity is opened up because at this yeah. point he's like, I can create a whole bunch of stuff that didn't exist before. And yeah. because this kid with cocktail sauce on his fingers can actually like make that look like a thing on the comic book page. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, that was it. That cemented me as, as part of that creative team. And then it was like, okay, well, what, what ideas can we bounce off each other? And then, you know, three weeks later, I'm just, I'm on the phone with Andy, you know, every mm -hmm. once in a while and we're talking about stuff and I'm on the phone with my editor. I'm on the phone with Mark, you know, we're working out things all together and I'm part of this process. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still really young and yeah. now I'm working with people whose work I, I looked up to on a, on a character that really did a lot to shape my, my, my morality, my, my, you know, my yeah. whole concept of superheroes and these characters and, and what comics can be. And I'm contributing to this, this world. Mm -hmm. And it was such, my mind was blown yeah. for a lot of different reasons. I bet. You know, I, I finally, like Captain America really made me feel like I was, I was part of it. You know, yeah. That whole experience was great. I, yeah, no, no. I mean, it, and that's like, yeah, I mean, that's a dream kind of thing. Like, I think that's the always what everybody who wants to get into comic books, they want to be a part of a team. You know, yeah. like there's this sort of thing, like there's these mythological teams that, you know, that are in comic books and creation. And we just go, man, to be a part of whatever that thing is. And that, and I, I feel that probably the most successful, you know, collaborations in comics are where everybody is really involved. Like they're not, you know, they're not, they're not, not calling Tom Orzakowski and saying, Hey, we're, we really want to try to kind of come up with some interesting solutions for lettering, uh, you know, in these scenes, you know, rather than just sending him a script and be like, just letter it, buddy, you know? Yeah. So I, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's a testament to the, to the level of those creators. And it probably really set up your game, you know, saying, okay, well, this is the bar. Like yeah. you're, and I gotta, I, I've gotta always be striving for this level of, you know, involvement, participation and, you know, um, yeah success i guess so yeah that's freaking awesome um do you miss hand coding do you miss color guides do you miss the 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 water coloring i miss the tactile uh art thing yeah um i've tried to do more painting during this pandemic shutdown okay um and uh i found it really therapeutic really cathartic to just sit and or stand hunched over a desk and just <laughs> like lay down physical paint and colored pencil and stuff it's it's really nice so i'm trying to work that in so that i don't miss it i don't miss the grind of color coding and yeah. doing guides and having to like when i when i was doing color guides i was constantly taking like a backpack with a, a fedex folder and markers and stuff and pens to my girlfriend's house at the time right. and just sitting there at the table working while she made dinner yeah you know and then brushing it off to the side and then just trying to sneak in work any any time i could sure right? it was fun but it's it's a job 
And, yeah. You know, yeah. You do it. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like it was, coloring was only a novelty option for me at times. So I didn't, I never had that sort of, and I can feel how that would be like, cause you, cause listen, a lot of is expected on a colorist, which people don't realize, like you don't get the whole month to color the book, no. you know, like, it's not like that kind of, it's not that it, when the, you're doing color guides, it's like, it's more in lines of like, we need this in four days. Like, yeah. and you know, if you're having a good career in coloring, you're already doing a book or two already. So it's a lot of work added on to you. So, um, cause you're at the end of the road, you're the last part of the process. So guess yeah. who's taking, making up the time for what everybody else sort of took up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by hand or digital. Yeah. You're still at the end of the line. It is. And, it, and I mean, and it's, it's interesting how the coloring on the digital end has really, moved way up the rank of credits, so to speak, in the comic book, you know, creative process now. I mean, like, you know, I'm not, not knocking my, my anchor buddies out there. Cause you know, you guys got your hands on, uh, you know, on making a story into a dramatic piece, but the colorist's role now is so much, you know, deeper than it used to be. Like yeah. the digital, the digital environment has, it, I mean, it's now that special effect, but I, you know, I was saying earlier, like that you sort of, you know, offered Mark now it's like, it's expected like this. I mean, this insanely high level of attention to pages. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. like for, especially for like the big name books, you know, they want a lot of, a lot of doodads and hoo-hahs happening. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But that's uh so how does it feel? I mean, like, I mean your page rate's better. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, page, <laughs> page rates. Um, yeah, page rates better it's than guide. It's not 25 bucks a page for coloring anymore. So yeah, yeah. 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 At, at its height, I did make 35. Mm. Which was nice. Look at you, Mr. of Money Bags. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, towards uh like 99, 98, 99. I think my 35. I think my first penciling i'm almost I, I somehow my mind keeps saying it was 40 bucks a page penciling and i can't believe it was that low but it could have been it might have been 70 but i think it might have been 40 right that's bad it's been yeah. before um so like going back to that 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 side part like i mean you you're doing some painting for yourself are, are you considering doing comics for yourself in some form if I do comics for myself, it's not, it's going to be writing. I'm okay. not going to, to draw Uh world Mark. building is very labor intensive yes. and there's so many people better at it than I am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, uh, if, if I need to, to replace the sink in my kitchen, I could do it mm -hmm. and it'll take me forever. Right. And I'll save a couple of bucks, but I'd rather make sure it's done right. Yeah. And hire a professional to do it. Sure. You know, it just works better that way. And then there's no worries. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, cause like I, you know, I got out of the, 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 the drawn of comic racket, you know, 20 ish years ago. And, um, and it's, it's strange, you know, doing this podcast, you know, I've sort of like dabbled back into comics to one thing or another, which I really had no major intention to do. Like, 
I penciled a cover, you know, a, a variant cover this summer for crossover from image. And, um, and then I just wrote a comic that we just finished um, and was, were successful on Kickstarter with. Um, nice. And it's like, yeah, you know, and, but like I'm roped into doing three more issues. Like I did, like, like I'm like, you know, this really would work better is like, I think the story needs to be like four issues as a mini series, not thinking like, Oh, I got to do four issues. Like I just like that made more sense. And the guy who whose comic it is, is like, he's like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, Oh damn it. Now I got to do four. You know, but it's like, it's it's interesting like you know and i have lots of people saying like well are you gonna draw something i'm like god no god no <laughs> like it's like i mean like it's not that i couldn't draw i mean and listen i'm 20 years behind my peers and their skill sets so i shouldn't draw um but it's like like you said man there are so many people who are so much better at doing it because they're they're already like they're already stretched out they're they're in shape like yeah they can do the running let them run you know like right. you can stand there on the thing and hold the stopwatch if that's yeah. like someone has to do that yeah. um and, and like and that's like you know for me that's what writing is like i'm like i i can i can like have the stopwatch because i'm the one who's like can see the whole track and i can see like what's happening and say okay well here's what we can do um and it's not that it's less i mean it is it is less time and and Drawing comics is incredibly time consuming. Yeah. Just straight up. And if you drew it, then you would probably be emotionally like I've got to color it too. You know, like yeah. so you yeah. know, and that's just even like twice as long. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would definitely write it. Um, even with a co-writer. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who's maybe better at writing than I am. And right. then I would absolutely color it, of course. That yeah. see that and that's that's I think that's pretty freaking cool. Like to be able, like because we like with this project that we we had uh, done. Like I, you know, like I got a text from like the guy who was penciling this one of the sections I wrote, and he's like, "Hey, I can't I can't figure out the splash page. Can you just lay it out for me?" So like, okay. So like I drew the nice. I drew the, drew the thing, sent it off to him, and like he and then he drew it based off of my layout. You know, but like it was it was kind of cool. And like I've. You know, I've I've had my hands in on the coloring, and it, it's like you, your fingers kind of get in there if you can do the the task. Yeah. Um, but that that's kind of cool. I, there's probably not a lot of people who write and color comics. You know, like there's probably not a long list of uh, creators that have done that. So that could be kind of a unique zone for you. You could win yeah. like a double Eisner for the best writing of an issue and best coloring of an issue. You could probably get like. A double which no one ever no one's ever landed come on <laughs> I, I love how you catapulted me i haven't won an eisner for oh, yeah, no, you're winning, you're, this is an eisner winning award idea that you have i'm i'm creating in my mind here so thank you <laughs> chris this is classic me i i i've i've run with this idea to the point where you know you're receiving an award that's just the natural solution to all all efforts right we should just hang out more yeah, I'm good for, feel so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good for your ego for sure in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's 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 wrap this up. Let's let. Why don't you tell you know let people know like what you got going on? Like obviously you've got a new class coming up. Yeah. Um, and maybe I mean, without too many details, maybe you can give people an idea of your next B and E plan. Like maybe like. <laughs> 
what company you you intend to break in you know like i i think my b and e days they have to be over by now do do, do they chris like i mean you know i have to I, stop idw is just sitting out there just <laughs> sweet old ham just waiting to be taken <laughs> oh man i uh yeah, I hadn't realized how much of a pattern it was until just this show that I've no, done. This is great. I, I, at I'm, least twice. I'm through at least twice. <laughs> I like that it's at least. Listen, I, 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 yeah, well, I'll tell you later. Um, okay, so what you got going on and where, and where can people learn how to color? Okay, so I've got a class coming up uh, end of January. Um, and you can check that out at Comics it'll Experience. Be, it'll be in the doobly-doo below. So. Awesome. They'll be able to just push a button. Yeah. So comicsexperience.com, click on the courses tab and look for art and coloring, and you'll find my my introduction to coloring class. It is <clears throat> um not to to shit talk other classes, but it my class is really the best class out of oh, totally. uh, all of any class of its kind. Um, it's in a class of its own. It really is. <laughs> Uh, and then I've got like a bunch of comic projects. I'm still working on hardware, Milestones hardware book. So cool with, that it's back. I was actually, yeah. you know what? Uh, my co-host Gary actually was sent me a video flipping through uh, the latest issue of hardware. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. It's, it's such a great book to be part of. You know, uh, Brandon's doing an amazing job writing the book. It's yeah. Dennis Cowan and Bill Sienkiewicz and... And then me. Yeah. And you, and you. It's Dennis Coward, Bill Sienkiewicz, and me. Like, yeah. what is one of these things doesn't belong? But here's the thing, dude. Like, <clears throat> that's from your perspective. Like, there's a wealth of people out there who are like, yes. I you guess. Know? You know? I guess. I still have, I, I, I'm still a lot in the same mentality I was when I first broke in. Mm -hmm. And I'm still all about uh, like the business side and trying to get the next gig and still right. thinking about my career and career moves and stuff. So that's still where I'm at. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's yeah. a bad thing that I still have that fire. Um, I'm going to hope it's a good thing, or at least I can turn, take that and use it as a good thing. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So. so go get hardware. Yeah, get sure. hardware. Um, I'm working on a book called Happy Hill with my friend Joe Mulvey and Rich Dueck. Nice. Uh, I've got uh, a book coming up with Scott Snyder and Jamal Eigel. Nice. Yep. That's going to be one of those uh, Substack books. Oh, good. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, I've got uh, uh, Savage Spider-Man. Okay. Wow. Right. With Gerardo Sandoval. Um, so I'm working on that. And Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe Kelly back from my my early Deadpool days. Nice, so that's always fun. I, I love reconnecting with him whenever I can. Okay. <clears throat> and um, a couple of other creator owned things that are a little early in the pop pipeline. Yeah, uh, I was working on something uh, that I yeah. don't know it's gonna continue anymore yeah. because there was a tragedy a few days ago. Oh right, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. Um, All right, well, Ryan Bodenheim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, that probably won't be happening. Um, and then there's a book called Fragmentation at Dark Horse that uh, I'm working on with Mark Guggenheim. Cool. Um, I love Mark. Mark's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, also another milestone book I'm working on. Chan, damn, there's a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, Greg Pak, Koi Fam. The book is called Duo. Scott Hanna's doing the inks. Uh, Koi's work looks great. Greg, always on point. You know, I've, I've known Greg since Planet Hulk. We've worked okay. together on that. Um, Greg's always a great collaborator. He's very generous, invites me in every time. And uh, I, Duo, I actually started working on a couple of years back before Milestone hit the pause button. Yeah. So there are a bunch of those issues in the can already. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it predates hardware, but it's coming out way after hardware. Okay. Well, that's kind of what happened in this last two years. We've had a lot of things shuffled around, but yeah. uh, that's awesome. Dude, yeah. you're really busy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Staying busy. Well, let's go. Well, I think I think part of that is on top of the great work that you do. I think it's also what you're saying is how you really do stay focused on the career trajectory. And that's yeah. like that's an important, important key thing. Like if anybody who's thinking of being in this business or is in this business is wondering why they're not, you know, getting where they think they can be, you know, aside from doing the absolute best work you can do on whatever you do, it is really focusing on those steps further down like it, it, it you know a career is like chess man you, you can't just think of the one move that you're making you've got to think of a few moves ahead because you don't dick like because guess what like the industry gets a move after you make a move so like, you've got to figure out you have to be prepared for contingencies so yeah. um and life life also gets a vote so yeah. um dude that's great i'm super i'm super happy that we had this time um Thank you so really thank you so much for coming on because it's been a long time coming. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, and I don't I don't like that we reconnected under bad circumstances in life, but uh, I'm glad that we've been able to reconnect. Yeah, um, absolutely. Chris, find him Soto Color everywhere. Doobly do all his information will be down there. Um, until next week, see you, Chris. Thank you, Alex. <laughs>